let's say fear is like gossip, you know. You don't, you don't disciple gossip. You stop gossip. You don't say, let's gossip in a way that is honoring God. <laughs> you do it or you don't do it. That's why we don't get into this slopey, you know, talk about this and that. When fear comes, and fear does come, because as long as we're going to be in these vessels, every day a thought will come. How will I provide for this? What's going to be next? Will I still have my job next year about this time? Will I still be with him, or should I? That's, those are normal thoughts, and they come and they really overwhelm us. But what do we do with those? Every thought we make what? Captive, Captive to the obedience. To Christ. So what, what does that mean in, on Monday morning when there is this fear that comes and fear paralyzes? I've never seen anybody that f gets overwhelmed by fear and just run. They cannot run. Fear paralyzes. When, when fear comes over you, this is how you walk. Spiritually. Because that's what fear does. And then we don't disciple that. We take the word, we replace fear with the word of God. You either have fear or you have faith. You either let those thoughts eat you alive or you take the word of God. It's almost like you're going to go in the closet. You open the closet, it's cold outside. And instead of being outside and say, I hope it will get warmer. You're going to go inside to the closet or you're going to go to the word. Open the word, you take that nice warm coat, you put it on, and suddenly it becomes warmer. Not the circumstance become warmer, not the weather, you become warmer. Amen. Because you take and you clothe yourself with the word of God. When fear cripples me or when fear attacks me, I would say, I always use, that's why it's my Bible, favorite Bible verse, I always use Isaiah 23, verse 6. And I have it here in two translations. And I will read both because the Word of God, you can never have enough of it because it's so powerful and so living. And it says this in uh, the tra message translation. People with their minds set on you, you keep completely wall. Or wall, yeah, whole. Steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. In NIV translation says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Amen. It's almost like a riddle here. This Bible verse is like a riddle because it's so, whatever, however you put it, it's going to be something new. You, you want to have a steadfast mind? Trust in him. When you trust in Him, what happens? You receive a peace. When you receive a peace, you have a steadfast mind. Everything, however you read this Bible verse, even the Arabic way from the back to the front, is going to be fantastic because it's so rich. And when it comes to walking with Christ with, uh, and be real faithful, and again, this is Christianity is not a philosophy. It's, not, it's, it's a way of life. And this way of life, trusting God, means everything. Yes. 
is not one of the things. It's everything. And there is two kinds of people. The kind of people that believe in God, and they have faith that God exists, and He's there, and He's good, and He takes care of the world, and, and there are people that really trust Him. The kind of faith that He knows, they know that God is involved in every details of their lives. What kind of faith do you have? A faith that He exists, and He's there, and He's busy, and He's wonderful, but He's not really involved in all the details of my life. Or you know he's involved in all the details of your life. And he always has the last word, the last saying in every situation of your life. Do you really walk like that? Because if we walk like that, the Bible promises us something that is unshakable, his peace. When you see somebody with deep peace, you're really looking at somebody who trusts God with all his heart. How do you know this? The level of your peace is determined by your level of your trust in God. You have this level of trust, you're going to have this level of peace. You have this level of trust, you're going to have this level of peace. It's connected. They are connected. Second Timothy, that's another, another Bible verse that I... When, when fear comes, again, like I told you the other day, it's 2 Timothy 1.7, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, or is not a spirit of fear, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Or power, love, and, self, and, and a sound mind. That's another one that I use a lot. And I want to stop here. Any, any Bible verses that you have, when fear comes and you saw in your walk with God, because I want to write them down and we'll all benefit. Any, anybody here? Can you read it? So let me write this down because this would be very important because this is our homework. We got to memorize this. You really want to get deeper into the Word, memorize the Word. It will stick with you because when the fear comes, believe me, you're not going to look for the Bible many times. You're going to be so, but, but guess what? Because you have the, this treasure inside of you, what happens is the Holy Spirit goes, oh, here I am, and, and comes out with the Word of God. And, you know, for some people who don't believe in God, this is like, an, this is like a fairy tale. What we're talking today is like, are you kidding me? Is this a, some kind of psycho weirdo therapy? <laughs> it sounds like it, to be honest with you. But the effects of it are fantastic. Yeah. Amen. So I don't care how it sounds. I care about the effects. I care about when you're doing it. It's amazing what happens to our lives. Yeah. So would somebody help me here? Do you still have that little? Oh, it doesn't matter. We can have a smaller, another one or... Yeah, just write that. Just so. <laughs> see crystal always. Uh, so the verse was? You can, yeah. John 14, 27. Anybody else? 1 John 4, 18. What does that say? There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. 
And the one who fears is not made perfect in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Write that too. So, what, another Bible verse? Isaiah 41.10. Um, hold on, my phone locked. Uh, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We'll write this at the end. You can come with the phone and take a photo with this. Go home, get it out, put it on a file, have a file on your phone with fear, with, with weapons against fear. I always have that. I have a lot of files on my phone, and every time I discover, I, I put it on my phone, I put the file on, on, says this is a great weapon on shame. Or, and I take that and I start memorizing little Bible verses. It really changes my life. Joshua 1 9. Do not. Yeah, I have not commanded you. Uh, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Uh, do not be dismayed, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Powerful. Imagine having this for one year, having these posters in your room. These little verses in your office. It will totally, I mean, we want faith. We look at this, and this is the weapons, and the weapons we fight. These are the strong weapons that we fight. And another, another Bible verse? Uh, Psalm 23, yeah. uh, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Proverbs 18, 10. The, Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it, and it's safe. Just imagine going to war in a combat. With, with, with a gun, but empty. I mean, you'll be, you be looking pretty scary until they start shooting at you. Then you'll be looking ridiculous, and then you'll look dead very soon. These are bullets that we... And the more you have, the more ammunition you have in a combat... What happens? It's going to help you. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? That's powerful. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's good. This is good. Talking about real steak. This is a steakhouse right now. <laughs> like a very expensive one. one like, I mean, we will... See, that, use that when you, have, when you hear a bad news from, from a man, from a person, and fear of the man is a curse, is a, something so dangerous, immediately you take that, because fear will come, especially if it's a boss, especially if somebody who, and it's normal that we get, oh, what's going to happen with me? And then you come up with, you pull the right bullet and the right weapon for that right situation. And never, ever forget one thing. 
especially when it, now in this context with, with people. When God promised you something, He is a promise keeper. He's going to do it, and He doesn't forget His promises. We do forget our promises, but He never does. And we'll talk about it, uh, because the problem here with us is that the timing. We think He's going to do it today, because we want it today. That's why we think He's going to do it today, because it's our desire. But He's going to do it in His timing, and nobody will stop Him. And, and when I deal with this kind of situation, I always remember this. The heart of the king is in the hands of God, like a river that turns it wherever he wants it. So I'm like, when I see somebody who's like in opposition, I go, this is funny. It's going to be so good. I'm so curious what will happen. I heard some powerful testimonies even last night from, uh, from some wonderful people just saying how God just in the last moment, uh, it was a couple of weeks before, it was uh, the boss said something totally different and, and kind of, you know, fear came. And then a couple of weeks after that, it was the boss said something totally different. Like, oh yeah, you're going to do this. And, and that's when we get, I can't believe this. Of course you can't believe it because the heart of the king is in God's hands, and he, like a river, and he takes it whatever he wants. And it's so powerful. Never forget that. Another Bible verse. Second Chronicles 2012. Uh, it says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Imagine when you have this ammunition and you enter a conversation with one of the students and one of your friends who is paralyzed by fear and he comes to you is like I don't know what to do and you start injecting the Word of God who is a living powerful Word of God you don't even because we don't know what advice is to give we ourselves need a lot of advices but what we do is we pull the, the best weapon and we start using them and guess what the effect is unbelievable yeah. And, and the funny thing, and I love this, the funny thing is they look at you like you're, you're this brilliant person. And it's like, thank you for helping me. And you, you, if, you really, you, if you really realize that it's, it was the Word of God who did this, it's, it's truly a funny moment. You go, wow, this is so funny. But in the same time, it's freedom. You're not going to go into a meeting with, what should I tell him? What's the fear and that pressure? You, know, you just go with the Word of God. You plant and water, which is our job, and what's the Holy Spirit job? Makes it grow. When we make it, when we trying, because we, we're never going to be able to make it grow, but when we're trying to make it grow, which role are we assuming? God. We're trying to be God. Isn't that a dangerous place? Yes. Because it's a place of manipulation, of pushing people, of accusing people of being frustrated with people that they're not going to do what we ask them to do, what we tell them to do. When in fact the meeting should be in freedom. And what you have to do is just plant the seed and water it and then go and sing a song, shout with joy, celebrate before you see it because God will multiply it and you're not going to be afraid, you're not going to be ashamed. He guarantees for that. And you go and gonna have a nice soccer game. <laughs> another another Bible verse. Mark Donna? 5, 
Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I got one. Over here. Kelly? You're next. Now the question, again, the question is, do we really believe he's, he's really into our details of our lives? Do we really believe he cares in, on those little things like that? Who's next? Yeah. I got Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will shoot you from your foot from being snared. Just to go along with what you're saying, this is a portion, it's a portion of scripture. It's in Luke 12, it's uh, four through seven that I've just been meditating. And it's kind of a lot, but I love how the Lord breaks it down. It says in four, and I say to you, my friend, do not fear, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Mm. And after that, no more they can do to you, but I will show you who you shall fear. Fear him who after he has killed and has the power to cast you into hell. Yes, I say fear him, but I love this follow-up he says and are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and are not and not one of them is forgotten before god um but the very hairs of your head are all numbered do not fear therefore you are more valuable than this than many sparrows <clears throat> it's just yeah remember the house of the rules for the uh, house of intimacy what's one of the house of the rules the rules of the house do not fear but just fear of the Lord. And this is exactly that passage that actually I use when we're talking about the fear of the Lord. And who else? Uh, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadliest pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and Beautiful. Beautiful. A few more? Uh, Psalm 91, uh, 14. It says, uh, because he loves me, says the Lord, mm. I will rescue him, I will protect him, because he acknowledges my name. Yeah. I, always, I always like that. That's, good. That's powerful. Yeah. Uh, just, just a small thought, if you keep going, coming up with this wonderful Bible verses. Uh, we will write this down, and you will have to memorize it until next year when, when I see you again here. And we'll take each one of you. Instead of uh, icebreakers, we'll have Bible verses breakers. And we will all be out there, and, and you'll be so. That would be a homework in case you keep coming up with these wonderful Bible verses. Uh, Psalm 62, uh, verses 5 through 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Mm. Like that. Look. Uh, Matthew 6, 32, 33. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Luke uh, 1, uh, 74. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Oof. Hear that? Put it? Okay, okay. We'll, we'll just have a couple of more. Uh, Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him yes. up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Beautiful. James, Damn. Uh, chapter okay. 1, verses 2 through 4. Uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Yeah. He delivered me from all my fears. Amen. So, the, the end of our teaching on fear today, who delivers us from the fear? The Lord. Who? The Lord. Who? The Lord. the Lord delivers us from our fears. Can you counsel that? Can you, like, real, like, what's to disciple to that? Faith, trust in the Lord, use the Word of God, and move on. And you will see. It will be marvelous if we do it. Never forget, what makes an advice perfect is if we accomplish it, if we fulfill it. Amen to this one. It was supposed to be a three-minute thing and it turned into almost 30. No, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I want to, before, before I finish, I like this. When all these speakers, they, they say, before I finish, in half an hour, they're still talking. But I want to really mention something about God's timing. Um, because when it comes to timing, and that's very important because it's tied with intimacy. Uh, because one of, the, one of the snakes of intimacy, it's impatience. In that intimacy, you know, in that house, impatience comes. And then we, we go from the place to the word faster and to the door even faster. And then and the, we have to understand, and one of the most powerful, the most powerful of all when it comes to timing, when it comes to, to action, it's timing. And you know, even the world knows that. The latest studies, and I'm frustrated. When I read the Harvard, Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago, I was so frustrated with them. I said, the church should have made this study long time ago. Because if they say that out of five elements that make an organization fruitful or successful, the most important element of those five is timing. This is the world. Timing. So then they give us some powerful examples. Uh, God does nothing by chance. Do we know that? He does nothing. He's a God of order. He's a God that plans things. He has made everything beautiful in its time, says the Ecclesiastes 3.11. And when, it, when you're talking about beautiful, you know what that meaning of the word beautiful is? And you, you remind me uh, last night, Ron. Completeness. It's not just beautiful like, a, like it's a beautiful thing. It's a complete thing. When it comes to timing, sometimes God gives you precise instructions regarding timing. But most of the time, He does not. Most of the time, He does not. 
God also give us discernment regarding timing. We, we you know, Isaac, uh, what's the son of, the sons of uh, Issachar that discern the times. And we have to, like, instead of just trying to figure it out, you know, when and how, we have to discern what time we're living in. So once you discern, for example, that right now you are in the school of brokenness. Believe me, when, when the patience, when you wait, that's a school of brokenness. When you discern that, guess what? You're going to be resting in that. You're going to take the class happy that you are in that class instead of being frustrated there. You are where I am right now. I'm supposed to be in the other class. No, you are in the right class because you discern in this season the Lord is teaching you something. And then you become peaceful and peaceful people receive well. That's why a real coach... One of the best because they never send on the field people who are restless. That's why boxers lose the game when, when they are too angry, when they get their emotions on the way. That's why when we are under powerful emotions, negative or positive, we mess it up. Peace saves us. There is um, the secret, and I, again, the secret of doing everything God's timing is patience. Da- David stayed 14 years in that school of patience. Well, Lord, help us not to stay 14 years. Make it shorter. But let me tell you this. People who don't wait, people who really move before God, before the cloud moves, they messed it up pretty bad. Saul did that. And the soul also received instructions precise instructions wait for Samuel how many days three days or I think three days or seven days doesn't matter it was precise so he waited but you know how much he waited he almost waited Saul is my mentor when it comes to almost waiting for things because imagine Pulling out of the, the oven a pizza almost done. And I'll serve you an almost done pizza. Stan, how would that be? Almost cooked. An, an amazing food that you put the greatest ingredients in the world, the most expensive ingredients in the world, the most attention to it. Hours of work and, and precise. And then you, you, five minutes before you're supposed to take it out, you, you pull it out. Five minutes. It's a mess. It loses everything. That's why do not be, be anxious for nothing. You know how many times Pastor Ron has told me in my life, and when we were talking on the phone, I'm... Pouring out my heart. I'm so, you know, overwhelmed by fear. And, and after, after I finish all my garbage, dumping on Ron, everything, all I hear is, Kathleen, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> and then he keeps going on about, I'm, uh, I'm like, I shouldn't even have called Ron. I know this Bible verse. <laughs> the timing for that Bible verse, but vulnerability. And then, and then 
the Lord uses that. And here I am, I said, thank you, Ron. Hey, so how is your family doing? Suddenly I'm released, I'm okay. How is that going? Because there was just one little thing, that's all I needed. Wait. People who wait accomplish much. People who don't wait, they mess it up much. Nehemiah waited. If you study Nehemiah from the moment he received the vision to the moment he went to the king, it took a lot of time. We think he went right after, like a couple of days, or in that day, maybe in three months. He waited a lot of time. And then he, at that moment, he felt like this is the door from the Lord, and he entered, and he accomplished much. Three reasons people don't wait all the way. Fear of losing the blessing or even the call of God. The funny thing is like you can, look, you can lose the call of God. Really? You can lose it if you're not faithful. If you don't live faithful in little things. If you don't live for Christ, yes, you can lose it because your mind just goes crazy. But if you stay faithful, you'll never lose the call of God. So you cannot. I mean, the Bible makes it so clear in Proverbs 10, 22 about the definition of blessing. That the blessing of God enriches us and is not allowed to be followed by any interruption, any, any curses, any, you know, the original words are so powerful. It's, it's like the, whatever the Lord has promised to you, He's going to do it. He's going to make you blossom. And nobody will ever be able to stop it. Amen. That's the, the Bible verse. Another, so fear of losing, the one reason that people don't wait all the way is fear of lo losing the blessing and the call of God. Another one is impatience. And I was telling you, the level of impatience indicates the level of your trust. It's, it's so frustrating in a way because... The, the, the people in the church more and more are going to practicing Eastern religion rituals because they find more peace and, you know, patience in, in certain things when we, in fact, we're supposed to be the leading group in this earth when it comes to patience. Why? Because we trust God. And because we trust God, we have patience. And because we know His timing is perfect, we wait for that timing. And in the meantime, we do our job. We work well. We're focusing on the assignments that God has entrusted us today. And let Him worry about what's next. Because He's not worried. He planned. He planned. He said, I have all the... You walk in all the... Deeds and all the plans I have for you. Amen. And the third one. So first is fear of losing the blessing or the call of God. Impatience. Another thing about impatience is we do have to know that God likes uh, 11 p.m. 11 p.m. and 59 minutes. <coughs> I, I, it's, it's almost like it's unbelievable. I, I, I really can't figure it out. I'll ask him, why do we like the last minute in everything? 
but it's, it's my last. It's 11.59, mine. It's not his because his, it's completed, completedness. Or, and it's, it's because he makes everything beautiful, complete. For him, that's the moment. For me, that's like, oh, I can't believe it's, you know, it's 11.59 and I have one more minute. <laughs> Let's wait. We're going to have tests. I mean, Abraham had a test. And in the last second, the last second, stop. That was the last second. And he changed the history. We are here because of that. And another one is pressure. Pressure. Fear, impatience, and pressure. Now, uh, do not run away from pressure. There's no, uh, there's no possession without pressure. Um, the promised land was not taken by uh, a group of consultants, <laughs> negotiators, who went there and uh, they talked you know, with a piece of paper that said, we'd love to, to conquer this territory. Actually, not to conquer, to really collaborate with you. Would you leave, please? And we will come and it'll be so beautiful. And we'll, we'll, we'll leave together for the rest of our lives. You will live in another part of the world, but we live here because God has given us this. No. No. It was taken by what? Force. And you know, when you go to war, there's pressure. And so, it's, but don't confuse that. Saul's success was not depending on his ability to please people, but his ability to what? To wait on Samuel. His test or his success was not depending on, on his ability to please the people. We as leaders, our job is not please people or even nobody, but to what? To wait for God's timing. And blessed is the one that waits for God's timing. Now, waiting for God will break you. Waiting for God will break you. It's actually part of the brokenness. And, and what's one of the rules of intimacy? Rule uh, of the house? Is you have nothing to prove. You're too broken. Now in that patience, in that waiting, there's going to be a lot of brokenness. You know, there is a study that recently Barna just did. And I'm, I'm now looking forward to get the book. I just study a little bit of what was the outcome of the study. I read the, that, and it says this. The reason the church of the United States, and I believe it's really uh, the church of Christ around the world, here, praise God, you have people who study and put money into it. The other places we don't, that we, we learn so much from you, taking a closer look to what's going on in the church. And they say the reason that the church right now is in a, in a spiral going down, you know what's the reason? We avoid brokenness. I'm like, I read the study, I said, are you kidding? Uh, somehow in my spirit, I always knew that because people who run away from brokenness, they run away from fruitfulness, they want to run away from intimacy. So when I see a student that is broken and comes to me and broken, I go, I'm so happy for you. And they look at me, they go, how can you say this? 
I'm at the end of my strength. I said, this is wonderful. You needed to get to this place. Because the moment you're going to be the end of your, yourself, that's when you're going to begin something wonderful beyond yourself. Brokenness is something that we should encourage in ourselves, in our dear ones, and in the people we minister. It's the key to intimacy. It's the way to power. It's the best preparation for promotion. You will never see people that are greatly used by God. Every time you see somebody that is greatly used by God, you're going to look, even if they smile, they look good, they are full of life, you're really looking at the broken person. They may show it or not, you're really looking at the broken person. The Lord is near to the broken one. In Psalms, David wrote in Psalms, how God comes near the brokenhearted. And it says, the Lord is near unto, near unto them that are of a broken heart. And save such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. And we're running away from this. And we're also teaching some other people, get out of this. You should get out of this brokenness now. No. Let the Holy Spirit work and finish the deep work of the Holy Spirit that will really equip us and help us for the promotion, for what God's from glory to glory. From glory to glory. When it comes to brokenness, let, and I'll finish with this, truly. Let's, let's allow God to be, and, and I love the, uh, um, what Bob Pierce, I wrote something one day, some years ago, what Bob Pierce from uh, World Vision, I think he's the founder of World Vision. And he wrote, he says, I want my heart to be broken with what breaks God's heart. And... Uh, there are a few ways of being broken. You either allow the Holy Spirit to break you, or you're going to take a lot of stupid decisions that will take you to that place. Yeah. <laughs> There's only two ways. Hmm? Like so you just, let's, let's choose the easy way. Let's just, let's every day ask for the Holy Spirit to search our heart, to see if we are on the right path, see if our attitude has changed, see if our, you know, um, we become ungrateful, we become, you know, murmuring, and we become this. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. And what happens is when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us and search our hearts, there is a guarantee of 100% that He will do it. And guess what? At that moment, you, He brings some lights. It's like your son. You, imagine you're having a, a son, and He's asking you, Dad, Mom, I really want to give me a true, like a brutally honest feedback about how I've been acting in the last week. What are you going to tell him? Especially if there are some, some things and he's a teenager and he goes through a little, some, you know, some of that time and, and, and you want to tell him, but you want to wait for that moment and suddenly he comes to you and say, Dad, truly, be honest with me. Please don't sugarcoat it. Tell me as it is. Am I acting a little weird in the last time, in the last period? 
What are you going to tell him? Oh, no, son, you are okay. No, you love him so much. But because he asks you, you will watch your mouth. That's the difference. You'll be more kind. You'll be... You'll tell him in a way where you say, yes, it's amazing you ask me this. I truly appreciate it. This is so cool. It's so mature of you to do that. <laughs> and then it becomes a, a moment of, of we build one another up. Instead of me screaming after him, I can't believe you have this attitude, you punk. <laughs> it's a totally different thing. Allow God to... To search your heart. And that's the best way of being broken. Allow Holy Spirit every day. Am I, am I respecting the students, Lord? Am I really? I love that image of Ron here yes, last night who just says, hey, we're not. We're like this, guys. What's the difference between us and students? We are just a few hundred meters ahead of them. But on the same walk, under the same serve. Uh, Master. That's all. So respect, love them, minister to them. And if somehow you become too professional and too cold, ask the Holy Spirit. He says, I will give you a new heart, says the Holy Spirit. He's he's the, the greatest specialist, cardiologist, surgeon that exists. He replaces a stone, a heart of a stone, into a heart of flesh. You know that story that the first transplant, heart transplant, that happened in South Africa, in the world. I think it was 1992 or three, and and the the after they did the surgery on him. Okay. My wife tells me, shut up, finish this, it's too long. No, I'm just kidding. I put the alarm. <laughs> I put the alarm. <laughs> the Romanian way is, come on, finish this. But uh, the, the guy had a, had a surgery, and um, uh, he had the first transplant, and he came back uh, from the coma, and from the you know, induced coma, and then uh, uh, he went to, the doctor came and said, how are you feeling? He said, I'm feeling good. And... and uh, after a few days, the, he was really, didn't know how to ask the doctor, but he wanted to see his old heart. And he's like, God, can I see, can I see my heart? Can you? I said, yeah, of course, I bring it to you. So he brought in like a jar, you know, in a, this substances, and he, and it was kind of a darker color, a little like tough and a sick heart. So he looks at his heart. And, and in that article, he, it's written that he says, so this is the heart that gave me so much trouble. This is the heart that gave me so much trouble. That's why when we ask in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, continue to search my heart. And if you, I need a transplant, do it. Do it. That's brokenness. And he's going to do it. Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem, on a cold, he, he, the Bible says that he, Jesus cried two times at Lazarus' time. And he says, in the, in the Greek word, it says he cried silently. Silently. He had tears and cried. But when he looked over Jerusalem, he wailed aloud. He cried out. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He was broken 
with the things that broken, breaks God's heart. With other words, he was saying, if you would have just listened to me, the peace I bring to you, the, the new way I bring to you, and that broke his heart. May God break us, our hearts, with the things that break his heart. So when we live on this earth, we will live with him, fulfilling his word. That's going to be the house built on the, on the rock, fulfilling, being faithful in little things, and, and living that intimacy with those only three rules of the house, nothing to, nothing to, and nothing to prove. And then, and then every day waking up and going and to the place, meeting with him, to the word that will bring us life and then getting out of the door with, you know, faith that he will, he will use us and plant on water and, and just live that life that will bring him much fruit. Yeah. And at the end of our walk on the, this world, and when we go to be with him, we would love to hear what? Well done, well done. good and faithful servant. Amen, guys. You are so beautiful. I tell Oltiz and I love you. We were talking about how quality, what quality of people are you? Like you are just, we love being here. And I'm so grateful that uh, this is the second year. And I, Ron, thank you so much for having here. Just want to thank, you know, John, thank you for being such a blessing. Rosie, thank you for just being family, such a good friend. And I mean, of course, I can go on and on, but it's like, all I am, I finish with this. Thank you for sharing Ron with us in Romania. You have no idea. One day you will. One day you will. You will. It was a truly joy for Altitza and me to be here this day. I'm so looking forward to see more of you in Romania. I believe the Lord has knit us together for His purposes. And I believe this is just the beginning of something great. And it's interesting that he chose an Eastern European country, very cold in the wintertime and different communist mentality to California. And I think I, I like to think he did it for me <laughs> because, you know, to spoil us, come to California, because I, I believe you have no idea where you guys are living. This is not normal. <laughs> just, for you, just, just for you to know, this is not normal. I don't know what you have done in your life, but the Lord has been spoiling you. Rejoice on it. God bless you guys. I love you so much.